Chapter three of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two, by Francois René de Chateaubriand. Chapter three. Paris, October eighteen twenty one. My mother's retirement at Saint Malo it was at this time that my brother ever intent on his own plans determined to have me admitted into the maltese order in order to accomplish this it was first of all necessary that i should enter the priesthood this i could do by the aid of m courtois de pressigny the bishop of st malo i went therefore to my native town to which my excellent mother had retired she no longer had her children around her and spent all her days at church and her evenings in knitting her absence of mind was inconceivable I met her one morning in the street carrying under her arm one of her slippers instead of her prayer-book. From time to time some old friends found her out, and they talked together about the good old times. When she and I were alone, she used to improvise to me some little stories. In one of these the devil flies away with a chimney and a miscreant, and the poet cries out, Le diable en l'avenue, chemine tant et tant, quand on perdit la vue, en moins d'une heure de temps. It seems, said I, that the devil does not move very quickly but madame de chateaubriand proved to me that i understood nothing about it my mother was really quite entertaining she composed a long lamentation upon le récit véritable d'une canne sauvage en la vie de montfort la canne les saint malo a certain seigneur had shut up a young lady of great beauty in the castle of montfort with a bad design through one of the windows she could see the church of st nicholas and on praying to the saint with eyes full of tears she was miraculously conveyed out of the castle but fell into the hands of some of the servants of the villain the poor young lady quite distracted looked around for help but could see no living thing except some wild ducks upon the pond of the castle renewing her prayers to st nicholas she earnestly besought him to permit these birds to testify her innocence so that if she should die without being able to fulfil her vows to the saint they might do so after their fashion in her name and for her benefit within the year the young lady died when lo on the removal of the bones of st nicholas on the ninth of may a wild duck followed by her ducklings appeared at the church dedicated to the saint she entered it and fluttered her wings in front of the image of the blessed deliverer to praise him by that action after which she returned to the pond having left behind one of her young ones as an offering some time after the duckling went home again without any one taking notice for two hundred years or more the duck and always the same duck has returned with her brood on a particular day to the church of st nicholas at montfort this history was written and printed in sixteen fifty two and its author very justly remarks that a poor insignificant wild duck is a thing of small consequence in the eyes of god and yet it contributes its portion of homage to his greatness that the grasshopper of st francis was still more contemptible and notwithstanding its chirping pleased the ear of a seraph but madame de chateaubriand followed a false tradition in her lamentation she represents the young lady as a princess who was permitted to become a wild duck in order to escape from the hands of her betrayer i only recollect the following lines of my mother's poem can la belle est devenue et s'envola par une guille dans un étang plein de lentilles End of chapter three.